This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com and the radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Some escape. I'll give it a B. B plus. On WEEI. Who called it last week? Don Cherry. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Hey, here we go. Another edition of the Skate Pod. It is the last day of October. Halloween. Matt Cowan is here from WEEI.com, and you know you can follow us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, and, of course, the Radio.com app. We hope you uh, subscribe, and uh, please leave a friendly yeah, review. Yeah, leave some reviews. I mean, we're getting killed by the Five Out podcast because they're giving away, they're, they're bribing people to do yeah, their reviews. Yeah. So we should try to prove that we can do it without bribing people. Yeah, you know, it's about the quality of content. That's the way we look at it. So uh, we gave you that with uh, Dennis Seidenberg. Uh, great chat you had with him yesterday. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome to talk to Dennis. I think a lot of people... Don't realize that maybe it's the German part of him that he's he's very dry, but he has a sense of humor and definitely one of the guys that uh, you know kept the room loose and kept those guys together in 2011. You know, uh, kind of one of the quiet leaders of that team. Another big guest today, Pierre Maguire, NBC, uh, NHL and NBC will join us. Pierre was reassigned in some form or fashion to right. a lot of West Coast games, although he did have Tampa and the Rangers last night, uh, so he's seen the bolts, but. Uh, He's a lightning rod in the hockey world. Oh, my God. People love him or hate him. Mostly he gets to hate on social media. I, I've come around like full circle on him. For a while I could understand everybody's, you know, just he, you mocked everything he said. He goes out of his way to show you his knowledge. I understand right. that. But wouldn't you rather have a guy who's like ultra prepared and just loves the game? I, I've come to really enjoy there, it. There are some nights where he just, maybe it's just his enthusiasm. Maybe it's where he is. He gets a little too carried away with the, I'm going to tell you everything in my brain today. Yeah. But then there's nights where it's 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 more subtle and it's more nuanced and it's more game focused and it's great. It's just it's better than Dan Fouts or Troy Aikman <laughs> in the football world, where you know just you're waiting for an well, opinion guys, of some kind. Those of. guys all have CTE, so I'm not. You know, <laughs> what do you expect out of them? Anyway, Pierre's coming up. We'll ask him about the hot start, Pasternak, the top line, uh, Tory Krug's contract, and I know we've talked about Krug 
in the, in the contract every week on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, pretty much so since the summer. In, yeah, I don't want to beat it into a pulp. Uh, and of course, he was just recently on the Greg Hill shows we talked about last week, and, and still talking, uh, you know, friendly, team friendly as best he can. Yeah. But you wrote the new deal. Uh, you you wrote the new article at wei.com comparing it to the new Roman yeah. Yossi contract. Eight years, seventy-two million dollars at the age of twenty-nine, nine million yeah. per year. I mean, you know, the the, uh, the armchair GMs are all going to criticize that and say, you know, what's he going to look like when he's thirty-six or whatever? But that's it's the price of doing business now. You can't worry about eight years from now. You have to worry about the now. The National Predators are in a win-now mode. It's their captain, it's their best defenseman, and that's what it takes to get done. I mean, I don't think any of these people criticizing that deal could do, could do better. I mean, what are they going to do? You're going to trade them for futures? Because that's all these most of these people all want. All they want to do is have prospects and picks. They don't want to actually have players and go out to win. So, I mean, that's sets the bar. And you know, for the next three or four years, they don't have to worry about that. And we'll see. If uh, you know, even without Tory, you know, hometown friendly now, he's not going to be in that eight nine million range. We never really thought that to begin with, and now you know if Yossi's a nine, then you know the the, the cap for Tory would be seven seven and a half, right? But don't you think his agent brings that up now in negotiations? Oh, we've got a little more recent uh, standard to go by here. Yeah, now. for sure. But he's not the same defenseman. I mean, there's he's in the class points wise, but we know he's not um, the defender that Yossi is. He, he doesn't have the size. We know that. I guess maybe they haven't really proven that the smaller defenseman is going to have a harder time lasting that long. But um, these are these are the things that are going to factor in and be the difference here, you know. And, and you look at the numbers that have been thrown around other guys. I mean, I also put in that article, you know, the, the, the deals from the offseason, the, the Shabbat deal, which is only a second deal at, at 23. You know, he's getting eight eight million, I think, right. and uh, and then Truba, same thing, eight million. Even in the hockey world, nobody knows who Shabbat is. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, who is? Well, this I guy? think he's coming on pretty good. You know, he's 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 definitely on a on a terrible, crappy team, he's the one reason to watch those guys probably at this point. And then, you know, the Jacob Truba thing, that the Rangers kind of yeah. painted themselves into a corner by trading for him, and they had to kind of meet his demands. And uh, I tend to like him more than other people do, but clearly a guy who hasn't really reached his potential, only, I think, one fifty point season. So um, Torrey has that to to, um, to look at, too. But, again, it goes back to what we said last week. I think this is the bottom line. Where is he going to go where he's going to get that kind of money and be in a situation where he can win? And the fact is all the good teams are capped out. Now, uh, Greg Gill asked me this question on the morning show today. <clears throat> Would they consider trading him? Like, that's the big issue hanging over the team. But I don't even think – now, the trade deadline's not until late February, right? right. We've got a long way to go. Uh, I can't imagine – if they, I mean, this team yeah. now has put themselves with this awesome start. They and, are the, gonna be, and the power play is and so And the power boring. play is so dominant. There is You yeah. cannot trade him. I mean, I think it you're going to lose him. Either you're going to decide them or you're just going to lose them. It would have to be some sort of scenario that you only see in the NBA or the NFL where a guy would just have to, you know, MF the whole organization and tell them, you know, right. I'm not playing for less playing for less than $9 million or get me out of here. It's not I mean, going to happen. That would be a hand grenade into I mean, the, into the fabric ha- of the We team hate to use the point. term, of course, but it is kind of a self-rental at that point. But yep. you're, you're going for the cup and you came. It's the Louis Erickson own rental <laughs> DJ Bean's terms. Oh, my God. I know you were the, sick of that that year. The Louis Erickson. Well, that, that was a whole different player and a whole different situation for sure. But. You know, you're going for it. You're in the win now mode, so you just got to take your chances. And if you do lose it for nothing, you just got to look at it. Well, he makes what now? Six million, close to six. So you're just looking at okay, we're going to allocate the, that cap space somewhere else. Uh, you combine somewhere that with you combine that with yeah. a potential backus buyout, and now next thing you know, you, whatever you need next summer, you can do a little spending, or you can take care of your RFAs because you're going to have the DeBrusque and the Grizzlicks to deal with. And remember, July one, you can start negotiating with Carlo on this next deal. So that said, I, it's hard to imagine them not. Now that McAvoy's gone down, McAvoy, the crew's gone down this path of take a little less. 
if he's getting five two five now, whatever. Yeah. If the caps, and he's not going to make more than eight. We're somewhere in that range. What's a million or two? Right. You know, it's, 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 it's a year or two, it, a million or two. It's going to get done. Get but done. let's face it, you can't. You don't want to hamper yourself at this point. You know, you let's face it. First of all, Donnie Sweeney's working on multiple things, right? He's always talking. I'm sure he's talking to DeBrusque and, and Krug and all these guys. Um, and you know, you have to look f- uh, forward. You can't. You have a certain amount of, of cash space you can spend in years that are in the future. So you know, if if you sign in the summer, it gives you more flexibility, depending, especially if you're going to be looking at. You know, you never, you don't know if they're going to go after a uh, a guy with term at the deadline. You know that 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 changes things. If it's if they're looking for that extra forward. Um, you know, you got to, and you know, it's more worried about this year probably than anything else at this point. Yeah. Now back to the top line. Are we are we done talking <laughs> yeah, line I combinations think we're done. and breakups? I think we're done. I think I want to see. I mean, I called this. I declared a moratorium on Twitter about break up this line because <laughs> don't you just want to see how many points they're going to score? I yeah, mean, yeah, no one can stop them. Well, it's not that nobody can, but there are some teams like the Rangers who are just not prepared. and the Sharks <laughs> and the Sharks, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, just I don't know how that happens. I mean, this is right now. This is breathtaking. To watch, especially when you when you cover it like I do, I'm so close to it. It feels like, you know, all the years of watching Ovechkin from afar and saying, "How come no one can ever stop that shot from the circle?" What is it? What? It's the same thing with Pasternak from the, almost the same spot. It's just you know, fire away, and no one can seem to solve it, and they don't seem to shut it down either. And um, well, DeBrusque in his goal against uh, the Sharks, DeBrusque kind of forced it. Yeah, I think there was like a let up. You know, right. just, just when you think that coming out of the zone, a guy coughs up the puck. Just, just for him to always have the space net. to get the shot off is just yep. mind-boggling. That, but you know, I guess it's not really worth it to try and shut him down because then there are so many other ways they can beat you. But um, as far as the top line at five on five, too, I mean, why you, you really be nuts to break it up because they're winning you games. You know, they're getting five, six points each, and uh, you know, as a, as a line, and it's it's going to get you through the regular season. And I guess the postseason, they got as far as you can get without winning. On that formula, and if you have uh, Charlie Coyle, and if Anders Bjork is the new answer for the top nine, you know, and, and Danton Heinen takes this step, I guess you have enough secondary scoring. Well, let's talk Anders Bjork. What are you seeing? What's what's your uh, first different? Impression? A different player. Yeah, a guy who doesn't want to go back to Providence. Um, it's pretty awesome to see him do that. I think he took. Um, yeah, it was last night. He took a big hit in the first period along the boards, and. Um, Came out of it unscathed, and I'm not worried about him being injured. I'm worried about him, you know, losing confidence or being worried about it. And he seems fine. If, if he his goal over the weekend was it was a fan job, like he didn't quite get all of it. You can yeah. tell he was like smirking at the time, but but even still, he's got the that offensive upside too. That the, and it just it's just the speed that you know yeah. puts pressure on D. And it's funny watching Buffalo on Monday, watching Marcus Johansson make one of his ma- magic Johansson passes, unbelievable pass across yeah. ice to Skinner, to, and you go oh. This is what the Bruins were missing, but if Anders Bjork can just you know keep keep his confidence up, stay healthy, and maybe get some chemistry with Coyle, uh, these the top three lines might be set. You know, especially with Danton Heinen, he's always played pretty well in those top six roles. He doesn't he's not flashy, but he gets the job done. And if the third line scores as much as the second line, then you have you don't have the problem. Now you know how I feel about Richie. However. <laughs> <laughs> he took your advice and he dropped the gloves. That's right. So he's he's endearing himself already. He's, yeah, he he's had a couple of hits last listener. night too. He's yep. he's uh, against the Sharks. He's um he's just a, at least he looks he looks like he's giving more effort than like a Jimmy Hayes as we were, were trying to write oh, him off not, yeah, as. That so, was unfair I mean, of me. It was a there, total. There's more of um it's just hard for these guys sometimes when uh, the puck's not bouncing as they say. But you know, I mean, is he going to necessarily be in that top nine? I mean, maybe at some point you do look at. 
fortifying that top nine with a rental at the deadline. You don't know what the prices are going to be, and that's uh, and that would push him out of the out of the lineup. But for now, you know, if um if he can play with Coyle a little bit and and get something going, that's nothing. That, that's good for him. Crazy returns, and uh, you wanted to talk about. <laughs> The reaction to his assist. There's a lot, of, a lot of weird questions in the locker room afterward about him making that assist to Coyle. Like, wow, did you know he could make a pass like that? I mean, David Krejci's been playing here since 2009. <laughs> He's made plenty of passes like that. Why do we keep forgetting how great David Krejci is? I, I'll never understand this, but um, what? What? I mean, no, it's upper body. Yeah, what they said. You think it's oh, that's a thing of the past now? Is he, they obviously nah. took their time. Well, I, I was wondering a... when he came back. Also, you know, he was actually nursing. Something when he was playing before this injury, right? The one that kept him out of opening night. So maybe the time off helped him rest that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you're going to have to worry about this all year. I mean, we haven't heard about Bergeron's groin yet, probably because he doesn't have to put much pressure on it. The way his lines just slicing through people, but that could that could come up again, and that that might be at this point the only thing that derails this team is injury. Well, uh, Kuhlman's going to be out for a bit, but now that Heinen bumps up on the Krejci line, yeah. uh, thanks to Bjork, you're all right there. They kind of have, I, yeah. don't know, I dare say, they're going to set with their lines here for the next uh, couple you weeks. You would hope that Cassidy keeps do. these together a little bit. I mean, he said he likes he likes Bjork with Coyle because he wants the speed on his wing, and we know Coyle and, and Richie have gotten some uh, chemistry here. And like I said, Danton Heinen's a guy that can play anywhere and just play his game, and he might not do this. You know, Bruce Cassidy said with Coleman, he didn't want him to necessarily score. He just wants him to be out there forechecking, creating. Yeah, Heinen can do that easily, and, uh, you know, maybe when Coleman comes back, maybe he's – it's he might he might have to – you know, he might not be out of the odd man out, actually, because if you think about it, if Nordstrom's healthy, Nordstrom, Corrali, Wagner, you might not have room for Carson Coleman unless maybe he – if Richie doesn't cut it, you can pl- plug him on the third yeah, line. Yeah, you've had those guys kind of fight for a spot, which is not the worst thing in the world. None. Uh, they're off until Saturdays. Uh, Ottawa is the team, and then they'll have good back-to-back. Uh, oh, yeah, the schedule gets so tough now. Pittsburgh, Ottawa. Montreal. But mon- right. Monday, Tuesday, Finally, back-to-back exactly. Pittsburgh, and then uh, they're on NBC in uh, Canada. Before, before we get to Pierre, uh, Joe Thornton made his return. Last time for Jumbo Joe, is it, are, you, are you calling it dead? Is his career over? If they keep playing like they did last night, I think he's going to quit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or he's going to okay a trade at the deadline. Oh, my God. Um, seriously, that's uh, that was really an embarrassment. I've never, I've hardly ever seen a team that's that talented. A terrible start. Lay an egg that badly in a game like that. Like, you know, you think they would have had some emotion for Joe, yeah. thinking it might have been, and they didn't. They just came out with nothing. And um, I had just, he doesn't. He's not quite the Zidane Ochara, you know, take care of yourself and play to your fifty. But the the role he plays now there, he could probably keep doing it a couple more years. Okay, now the Joe Thornton trade. Oh God, two thousand five. Just want to go back one more time. I'd only been covering the team a month, and they traded their best player. Now, am I out of line to say? Because people say that's like one of the worst trades in, in Bruins history. Some yeah. people will make that claim. Right. But they traded now um, for Brad Stewart, Marco Sturm, and Wayne Primo. Right. Uh, two of those guys later went for Andrew Ferentz, which right. was a key piece. Sure, uh, they drafted Kessel only because they bottomed out that year right. in the standings, yeah. and they drafted Marchand. Yeah, and somehow Lucic is involved in that return as well, right? Uh, yeah, he's one of the draft picks. I mean, just that. one of the draft pick. I mean, you got you got better draft slot. I don't know, Mar- Marchand. You're going to the third round, but is it fair to say that? Dra- that trade of Thornton opened the door for the cup down the road in multiple yeah, pieces. Yeah, I mean, that's, not, the, way Ma- that that's the way Michael O'Connell spins it now, and I don't, you'll never know what he was thinking in the time, but um, it, it it freed up the cap space to get Chara and Savard. I mean, they wouldn't have been able to do that, and they obviously definitely wouldn't have gone down the Savard road. 
Um, yeah, of course, the, oh yeah, because Lucic they also was that year too. So you had all right. those guys were taken. Yeah, and of course Lucic, you also Marshall wouldn't have had Chara and Savard without having Shirelli, so they had a bottom out so you could fire O'Connell. So you know, there's a lot of things to, to say. I mean, in the in the time where you thought you were coming, when, when think of how great they were going into the lockout, that deep team. They misjudged it. They didn't sign any of the free agents. They brought in Alexei Zhamnov, and the, the owner stood on a patio in a golf at a golf club for the golf tournament and said that Zhamnov was better than Forsberg. <laughs> so, you know, it was a much different time, and uh, <laughs> it was it, it was just fortuitous that they were able to, you know, get uh, make the right move with Shirelli, bring in the two guys that Shirelli had relationships with to turn the team around, and. Obviously, then it took another year before they were, <laughs> they got on the right track with the whole Dave Lewis year. But um, there, there was obviously some thinking to you know how we can, can re- rebuild. But clearly, they shouldn't have been in, they should not have been in a rebuild at that point. They they had been yeah. on the right track. They had won the division, I, I believe. The, year, the, the so year so it might have been accidental. Like it was kind of fortunate. well, you know, how do we fix this after we screwed it up so badly? I mean, let's face it. We know going back, um, and I've ever actually brought this up with with Michael Connell as many times as I've talked about, but. The whole idea that he didn't shop him, and a lot of GMs were vocal about that. Why didn't you tell us Joe Thornton was available? We would have given you a better package. And, you know, Brad Stewart, you know, t- to be fair, also was seen as a, a blue chip future top two defenseman, you know. So, and, and he was young. And Marco Sturm was a perennial 20 goal scorer and, and did his job here. You can't knock what, the things that Marco Sturm did here to help the team get, uh, you know, get back on the right track. So. Now, so just going to set the record straight, the Joe Thornton trade was blank. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst trade until the Tyler Sagan trade. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, seriously, you know, it was like, almost like Shirelli said, "Oh, look at this old trade, Joe Thornton trade." I'm going to make it worse because, I mean, you know, none of us were knocking it as badly at the time because Louis Erickson again seemed like yeah a, a decent replacement. They won the President's Trophy the next season, but when you think of the fact that those guys. You know, Louis on a fourth line or being scratched, and the other three guys are out of the league. Yeah, or I guess Joe Mara is still kicking around, but they're ba- they're not legitimate NHL even replacement level players. That's that's some major mis- mishap. You know, you talk about Chirelli's drafting record; those two years where they don't don't draft anyone that ever makes the NHL, and then he makes that trade, and it, it, it's just amazing to think that the guy won the Stanley Cup. He did that, and uh, you know he's. Uh... He's gone in Edmonton. It looks like they're playing a little bit better without him there, too. So. Yeah, exactly. And then he w- went there and didn't even win the Cup and kind of just rode it, ran them into the ground. And yeah. Ken Holland's got a hell of a, a, a dig to get out of that. All right, time for our weekly guest. Pierre, the Bruins are 9-1-2. and two. Are they this good? Yeah, they really are that good. And I think the biggest reason why they're that good is uh, they obviously have one of the top lines in the league with Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. They've got a stable goaltending position with Halak and Rask. Um, the defense is vastly undervalued. You know, around the league, people don't know enough about Matt Grizzlick. They don't know enough about Tory Krug. They know a lot about Zdeno Chara, but they don't know enough about Brandon Carlo. They don't even know that John Moore and, and Kevin Miller are still available down the road. I mean, this is a really well-built team from Donnie Sweeney, and it's something I've been saying for a long time, so it's not, you know, just being a Monday morning quarterback. I, I've been bullish on the Bruins for a long time, and a big reason why is the kind of maneuvering that Donnie's done both at the draft uh, and at the professional level. You know, the acquisition of a, a Chris Wagner, the acquisition of a Charlie Coyle so that he slotted properly, 
um, you can look at a lot of the things they've done uh, since Donnie's been there. It's been really good. Yeah, you know, Pierre, you bring up the first line, and we've spent endless hours on this show talking about whether at some point they have to break that line up to balance the lines. But, I mean, is it maybe a trend in this league now that teams can pile up their top three players in a line like that and, and at least get through the regular season and maybe make a, a deep enough playoff run that way? The key you just said is get through the regular season. I think you can do it in the regular season. It becomes a much more difficult task in the playoffs. I coached in two Stanley Cup finals, was fortunate to be on two winning teams. And uh, you can have one super line, but more times than not over a course of a seven-game series, if that super line gets shut down and you don't have enough diversified offense, you're going to have a tough time winning. St. Louis is a case in point. If you really look at what drove them to the cup, it, yeah, everybody knew about Tarasenko and everybody knew about Ryan O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz and Braden Chen, but not enough people talked about Oscar Sundquist. Not enough people knew about Patrick Maroon. Um, their depth scoring is what really saved them at key times in different series. And the, and the same thing, I think, for the Bruins. You know, you can look at the Bruins team and say right now they are a one-line team potentially, but the addition of Krejci coming back last night against San Jose was huge. Uh, and I think, you know, you're going to see more and more from them where you're going to see more diversified offense. That's just how you have to be to win the Stanley Cup, and I think that can happen in Boston. And they've gotten a little bit of that, Pierre, from uh, Charlie Coyle. What wasn't working with him in Minnesota, and how do you see his game now since he's come to Boston? Well, I've always been bullish on Charlie, and you know, I said this to the, he had a bunch of different coaches in in uh, Minnesota. But the thing that is mind shattering to me is uh, it's not that long ago where Charlie was playing in Minnesota and he had almost twenty goals. I think he had twenty one one year, nineteen or twenty another year. You know, on back to back seasons, and they couldn't find this consistent spot for him. They weren't sure if he was a winger or if he was a centerman. I kept saying, play him at center and, and slot him properly, and you're going to have a really good player. And I think, you know, Charlie now is solidified in terms of his role with Boston and how he's being utilized by Coach Cassidy and, and the rest of the staff, and I think he's much more comfortable. But there's something else that needs to be said. You know, it's like being a, a kid that grows up in Montreal. You play for the Montreal Canadiens. You play a little bit bigger. You play a little bit faster. You play a little bit more enthusiasm. I think there's a lot to be said for Boston guys coming back to Boston. You know, I really, even though I know McAvoy's from Long Island, he went to BU. Grizzly's a kid from Charlestown. You know, you look at Charlie Coyle coming back. You look at Chris Wagner. I think there's a lot to be said for that in, in certain markets, and Boston's one of them. So now, just as, as good as the Bruins have been so far, I mean, anything surprising you around the league? Anyone that's uh, you know better than you thought was going to be coming in? Well, I expected Buffalo to be a very improved team. I do a lot of radio shows in Canada, and that's the one team that I thought would be uh, much better than a lot of the people around the league were saying. And, you know, some people still will knock their goaltending in terms of not being overly star-studded with Carter Hutton in particular and Linus Olmark, um, but I, I think they're a much better team. I think the team that, uh, if you look around the entire league, I think the team that's not getting enough love uh, for being a legitimate contender is Colorado. I, I think the Colorado Avalanche are probably as good or better than any team in the league, and now they've got some injury situations with Rantman and, and uh, Landeskog, but they're, they're an elite, elite team. Yeah, that's the one team that's uh, gotten Boston so far. You just saw Tampa. They're off to a, a bit of a sluggish start, and the Leafs are just 2-3-2 two, two in their last seven. Uh, what's your take mm -hmm. on Tampa and Toronto so far? 
Well, the biggest thing with Tampa now, they're decimated with some injury situations. They didn't have Anthony Sorelli last night against the Rangers. They lost Victor Hedman after the first period. They lost Pat Maroon in the first period. And, you know, he got KO'd in a fight. Braden Point's not 100%. So they've got some injury issues, and it's a bad time for them to have it. They still play New Jersey and the Islanders on this road trip they're on. Then they fly over uh, to Sweden to play the Buffalo Sabres for two games. So that that's not when you want to not be feeling good as a team. The thing that set Tampa back this year compared to last year, last year they were first in the league in the power play, first in the league in the penalty kill. Um, they're neither. You know, they're near the bottom on the penalty kill, and they're a 10th or 11th on the power play. That's not nearly good enough for them. So special teams and, and health need to be better. Toronto, they take too many penalties. Their in-zone coverage isn't good enough. And uh, their star players aren't competing hard enough. Now, to be fair, last night against Washington, a lot of their star guys, especially Austin Matthews, was much better. Mm. But their their in-zone coverage is really a flawed system right now, and they're going to have to fix that. How, how do they fix that? Well, it's a schematic. You know, yeah. you're going to have to – they like to give up point shots. That's the one thing. I talked about this last year. I did a game in St. Louis, and I think after 40 minutes – St. Louis Blues defense versus Toronto had 14 shots on net, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, after 40 minutes. That's too many. Um, and then I kept watching tape on Toronto and watching their games, and it was the same fundamental flaw. Uh, they collapsed the weak side winger down in the slot uh, to protect. And, and so what they do is they open up that weak side point shot, and if you're a smart team, you know, you're going to be able to take advantage of that. And that's one of the things, obviously – teams were doing and they broke it down and now Toronto's trying to adjust but it takes a little while to fix that sure sure so just to circle back to the Bruins a little bit I mean we talked about you know them getting the secondary scoring and them having all this depth and you talked about uh, the defensemen who are overlooked I mean do you think Donnie Sweeney has to go out and add to this team anymore or are they pretty good as is well, I think the biggest thing Donnie will do along with his trusted advisors is to evaluate as you go along over the course of 82 games. You know, the trade deadline's months away from now. Sure. I don't think there's much they need to do. Um, price points change on players. If you think you can, you know, steal a player out of another organization because somebody wants to dump some money or somebody wants to dump a malcontent, then you look at that. But I, I don't think at this point, uh, you really need to panic or scramble if you're boss and you're in a fantastic position. And again, the way they started the season on the road, the way they held together, that uh, says a lot about their group. The leadership dynamic of that team is phenomenal. And you can't say enough about Zidane on the way he leads. He's not the same player on the ice anymore. Everybody knows that, but he's still a tremendous leader and respected and revered really. And Bergeron's just off the charts. I mean, there's, very few guys in the lead that league that know how to lead like he does, and and it's just it's a tribute. First of all, he's a tribute to the Bruins scouting department, a second round pick in 2003, and secondly, sure. he's a tribute to himself for his work habits. I mean, people forget conveniently his career almost ended because of concussion when it was just about getting going, and uh, he just worked his way through that. I have so much respect for him. And of course, Pasternak Pierre was a 25th pick of his draft class. Did you expect this kind of potential, <laughs> or or some would say he's a product of playing with Bergeron and Marshawn? You guys are going to laugh at this one, but I know a very very savory savory hockey guy who told me um, that you thought six months before the draft that year, if he had to pick one player uh, in the draft that wasn't rated in the top 15, it would be David Posternock. And trust me when I, I'm not going to give the guy's name up cause I don't want to get him in trouble with his organization. <laughs> he was so, he was so angry because he told his team, you better, they had a pick, um, uh, you know, just before the Bruins, 
And he said, you better take this player. Mm. And they didn't take him. And um, another, you know, obviously Pasternak took him. They took somebody else. And boy, oh boy, he was so angry. He was so angry. I can just tell you that. So Pasternak's always been on, on, on the radar. But I think the way he's scoring now is just a testament to one, playing with Bergeron and Marchand, but also just uh, his release on a shot is phenomenal. Well, before we let you go, Pierre, I wanted to get your take on Tory Krug. He's coming up at the end of his yeah. deal. We just saw Roman Yossi sign a big contract, you know, nine million mm-hmm. AAV. Is Krug in that ballpark? And what do you? How does this come to a head? Well, there's another one too. Don't forget Alex Petrangelo out in St. Louis. He's sure. unrestricted, and that's going to have a major um, situation involved there. I think because of the Yossi deal and the fact that they're in the same division, and there's a lot of comparables there. So. That's going to be one to watch. Krug's different than those players. Um, you know, he doesn't have the same size as those players. He might be a better skater uh, than both those players. Uh, he might be able to produce a little bit more offense than Alex. Maybe about the same as Roman. Um, he might not defend as well as either guy. So there's pluses and minus on both sides. Um, he's obviously a very important part of what the Bruins do. You know, I, I always remember when Donnie, uh, was scouting at that time. He was the assistant manager to Picciarelli when they brought him in out of Michigan State as an undrafted player. And um, just, I said at the time I was doing the games with uh, Eddie Olchuk and Mike Emmerich, and I remember doing a Bruins game and saying, "This guy's just like Donnie Sweeney, except he doesn't mm-hmm. defend as well." Well, his defense has actually improved over time, and uh, he really is. Again, the Bruins scouting staff is outrageously good. They're really good at the professional level and at the amateur level, and. Um, that's another credit to them. Finding a player like that is, is a phenomenal accomplishment. Would they consider that Charlie McAvoy is coming and maybe we just don't want to go <laughs> that route and we don't want to cap him? Well, <laughs> you, you may have to. That's part, see, that's part of the problem. That's why I don't want to go too deep in terms of saying, yeah, you got to pay him this, you got to pay him that, because the one thing I would say, um, Charlie's a franchise-type defenseman mm. as long as he stays healthy. And as much as I really respect and like Tory, I don't know if I could say that about him. I just think he's an important part of any team that's going to win. But franchise label is a, is a hard one to accept. And I would say that, you know, Charlie has that on him. He's like a Roman Yossi. He's like an Alex Petrangelo. Those guys are hard to find. Well, Pierre, we really appreciate your time. It's been too long since we chatted here with you on EEI, and thanks for squeezing us in. Oh, my, anytime, you guys. And I really appreciate you reaching out, Ken and Matt. Thank you very much. It's just that uh, my schedule is a little crazy, but anytime <laughs> I can find the time, I'd be happy to join you. Great. I love Excellent. talking hockey. All right. Great. Thanks a lot, Pierre. Thank you, Pierre. Take care, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he goes, Pierre McGuire, NHL and NBC. We just went inside the glass. Matt. The busiest man in hockey, for sure. Yeah. I mean, We, we tracked him down for four. Don Cherry, we got like that. <laughs> Doug McLean, we got like that. Pierre was like a five-week uh, endeavor. Oh, my goodness. And the, nice guy, though. Always you know, responds. Well, the amazing thing to me is in the playoffs – when he does a game every night, so he's he does the game late. You know he doesn't have a he doesn't have his own shuttle service. He has to right. fly in the morning, commercial. You know, uh, show up at the at the at the next rink and knows everything about both teams, knows what's going on, and has so much energy. Always blows my mind. And you know, I, I kind of like the fact that he's playing up Colorado because that was my preseason Stanley Cup oh, pick. You were doing like yeah, jumping jacks <laughs> here in the room, just celebrating. People were, people mock that pick, but I I definitely love that team, and I think they have. The best player in the league, and in, in McKinnon for sure. I mean, uh, we'll see if Ranton comes back healthy and. Uh, Pasternak, come on, Pasternak, McKinnon. Open draft. Uh, they always got to go with the two way center. You always got to go with the two way center. But uh, you know, so that's great to hear. And you know, wow, that's uh, if you're a Bruins fan, you listen to Pierre Maguire today, 
if if you weren't already pumped up about the start, my God, you, you got to be making you know don't make any don't buy concert tickets for June. Love you loved that he was ripping the Leafs too for oh well, who doesn't love when they rip the Leafs? Uh, sloppy. <laughs> also, after the Tampa loss, they lost four to one to the Rangers. Ryan McDonough said they're having confidence issues. Oh, God. Unbelievable. Well, like, you know, they're playing tentative. They're not confident enough. You hate to keep bringing it up, but you know, between Pete DeBoer and San Jose, and that, and now John Cooper and Babcock, you wonder if how many of these big name coaches might be uh, unemployed in a couple of months because they all seem to have their teams off the rails. Man, all right. Uh, do you want to announce the bonus pod for next week as no, well? We'll keep it a surprise because you never know what things change. All right, and we're still working on a big fish for next week's uh, main podcast. Well, we always have well. a big fish, but we might get a, an even bigger fish. Yeah, a little more local, a little more close to home. Uh, but looking forward to that. Matt, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, well, Ottawa's kind of a, just a, it's an exhibition, right? It's just a, it's just a warm up for the. You hope so, anyway. The big two Monday, Tuesday. See ya.